Mark's Gospel, chapter number 5. And I want to break in the passage reading around verse number 22. Mark chapter 5 and verse number 22. And behold, there cometh one of the ruler of the synagogues, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may live, or that she may be healed. And say this line out loud with me, and she shall live. Verse 24, and Jesus went with him. And I want to stop and say, he'll go home with you too if you want him tonight. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. Now, we'll leave off the narrative in verse 24, and we'll pick it back up again in verse number 35. And the reason why we do that is this. While Jesus is on his way to touch Jairus' little girl, that's when that woman with that issue of blood presses through that crowd and touches Jesus, and Jesus touches her. There are two things about that I love. Number one, you can't get lost in a crowd. I mean thousands and thousands may be thronging the Lord, but you can't get lost in a crowd. Jesus knew that little woman had a need. And every time I read that, I'm reminded of the words of that great gospel song. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. I'm glad God sees us on an individual basis. You can't get lost in a crowd. Second thing about that I like is this. The Lord is not so busy that while he is on his way to help somebody, he can't stop and help somebody else. I guess what I'm trying to say is this. It is no secret what God can do for what is done for others, he can do for you. And so he touches that woman and heals her. And we pick it back up again in verse number 35. And while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. And I want to say this tonight. There's one in every crowd that's always critical and negative. It's too hard. It's too far. It can't be done. And he said this, While troublest thou the master any further? Now, I don't know who this messenger was. But whoever it was doesn't know very much about the Lord because this man is not troubling the master and neither are you, neither am I. When we call upon his name, we are not, we are not troubling him. We've been invited to the throne of grace. The blood of Christ has made us acceptable in the beloved. We're not troubling the master. Don't feel like you're troubling him. God wants to hear from you. And I love verse 36, and as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, say this out loud with me, be not afraid, only believe. Now watch your Bible in verse 42. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. Underline that, we're going to see that again in a minute. She was of the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. I think that interpreted means they looked at each other and said, 
Wow. And I'm glad that God tonight is able to do things in our life where we can look at each other and say, wow. I believe before us tonight is one of the most vivid and clear pictures of intercessory prayer that you'll find in all of the Bible. I thank God tonight for the doctrine of intercessory prayer. I believe tonight the most important praying that we'll ever do, the most needed praying that we'll ever do, and the most rewarded praying that we'll ever do are the prayers that we pray on behalf of one another. I like what Paul told the young preacher named Timothy. He said, I would that prayers and supplication and giving of thanks and intercession be made for all of the saints. I really believe tonight the greatest thing that somebody could do for you is pray for you. I believe tonight the greatest thing that you could do for someone else is pray for them. Most of us in this room tonight are the results of answered prayer. I'm glad to say this tonight, that I'm glad that I serve a God that we can get a hold of. Man, I want to say that again. I'm glad we serve a God that we can get a hold of. And I'm glad the God that we can get a hold of is a God that can get a hold of us. And he's the God that can get a hold of somebody else because we went and got a hold of him. And I believe tonight some wonderful miracles have happened because somebody got a hold of God. I really believe that nations have been given a second chance in revival because somebody got a hold of God. I believe churches has experienced spiritual awakening because somebody got a hold of God. I believe broken families have been put back together because somebody got a hold of God. I believe wayward sons and daughters have found their way back to God and home because somebody got a hold of God. I believe sinners have been saved, lives have been changed, even physical body has been healed because somebody got a hold of God. I'm glad one day that somebody touched heaven for me. And aren't you glad one day that somebody touched heaven for you? I'm glad the God that we serve tonight is not only the alive God, he is not only the able God, he is not only the awesome God, he is not only the atoning God, but I'm glad he is the accessible God. I'm glad we have a great high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. I believe tonight that Moses touched heaven for the nation of Israel. I believe Abraham touched heaven for his nephew Lot. I believe that Paul and those early apostles touched heaven for that infant baby church. I do know this tonight, that one day Jesus Christ touched heaven and touched God for all of us because there is one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. And we see in our text tonight a man with a little girl that has a need, and he goes and gets Jesus and brings Jesus back to his house. And Jesus does for him what he could not do for himself or his family. And I want to put this title on the message tonight. 
I want to preach tonight for two or three hours, praise God, on somebody go get God. Somebody go get God. I'm here tonight because one day somebody got a hold of God for me. No doubt you're here tonight because one day somebody got a hold of God for you. And let me say again, I'm glad the God we serve is a God we can get a hold of. And he can get a hold of us. And he can get a hold of somebody else because we went and got a hold of him. Three things in the text tonight about this intercessory prayer. Number one, in the life of Jairus, I want you to see this. Notice tonight the mandate that drove him. The mandate that drove him. Let me say it like this. What would cause this man to leave that sick little girl and go all the way across town and bow down at the feet of Jesus and beg him like a little child to come to his house and touch that little girl? What would cause a grown man to do all of that? Well, I've already answered it in my introduction. He was a daddy with a daughter. Now let that sink in. He is a daddy with a daughter. And a daddy with a daughter, if she plays it just right, can cause that man to do what he said he would never do. Go places he said he would never go. And buy stuff that he said he would never buy. All because of the daughter that has him dangling from the pinky looks up at him with that manipulating look she got from her mother. How we doing so far? And says, oh, daddy, please. Boy, that, and if they, and if they preface it with, oh, dad, you're the greatest. If they preface it with, oh, dad, I love to hear you preach the word of God. I finally told mine, quit, the Bible ain't got nothing to do with it. Here's the money and get out of here. But he is a daddy with a daughter. I, I, I mean, I made my brags for years across this country how I hated cats. And the best cat was a dead cat. And there would never be a cat at my house. But all of a sudden one day, the daughter said, oh, dad. Oh, dad, please, dad. Can we have a cat? Well, guess who got a cat? Then I made my brags. I said, that thing's a stinking animal. It's going to stay outside. It's not coming in this house. And one night the lightning flashed and the thunder rolled and the wind blew and the rain descended. And the little daughter said, oh, daddy. Oh, dad, flea flea is outside in the storm. Flea flea is outside in the rain. Please, daddy, please. Can flea flea come into the house? Well, guess who got to come in the house? Guess who jumped in the bed with me at one o'clock in the morning? Flea Flea. Then I made my brags. I said, now, honey, I'm telling you, if that thing gets sick, it's going to die. If it gets sick, it is going to die. I'm not going to take my hard-earned money and go to no vet for no stupid cat. If it gets sick, it's going to die. Early one morning before I went to the airport, I had to do hospital visiting. And I didn't realize that during the night, Flea Flea had climbed up in the motor of my Crown Vic. And so when I started up my Crown Vic, beep, I mean, fur went everywhere. Son, I threw the hood up and there laid Flea Flea. 
You say, what did you do? Man, I called 911. I wrapped it up in a blanket. Oh, man, I put on my emergency flashers. I roll over blind people and old people and crippled people trying to get to the vet, whipped into the vet, throwed my credit card out and said, if that stupid thing's got nine lives, I want to buy three of them before I leave here. I'm about like that woman the other day from Alabama. She was backing out of the driveway and she ran over a cat and cut his tail off and she grabbed the cat and the tail and threw it in a box and started down the road and her husband says, Ethel, where are you going? She said, Fred, I'm going to Walmart. He said, why are you going to Walmart? She said, honey, they tell everybody on TV that they are America's number one retailer so I'm going to see if I can get some help for my cat. Man, I pull in that vet. Man, I'm all to pieces. All because that little daughter, all because that little daughter had climbed up in my heart and asked me, Daddy, well, we come to our text tonight and here's a daddy with a daughter. And if he loves her like most daddies do, if he feels responsible like most daddies feel, he is a man that's got a problem that he cannot solve. He looks at that little girl's sick body her eyes are rolled back in her head. Her fever is raging. Her color is ashy. I mean, she, the Bible said in our text that she was at the point of death. That means her next breath may be her last. That means her next heartbeat may be her last. That means the next second that ticks off of the time clock will be her last. And notice who this man is tonight. He is Jarius the ruler of the synagogue. That means three things. Number one, he was a man of authority. He is a man that tells other men what to do, and they do it. But yet he does not have enough authority or power to tell the disease to leave the body of that little girl for the first time in this daddy's life. He feels like he's over his head. For the first time in this daddy's life, he feels like he's powerless to help his little girl. He is a man of authority. Number two, it means something else. He is a ruler of the synagogue. That means this. He is a religious man. He is a moral man. He is a good, upstanding man. He is not a drunk. He is not a thief. He is not an adulterer. He's not a fornicator. He's not a cusser. He's not a reviler. He is a good, religious, moral, upstanding man. But this daddy found out that sometimes unwanted, unexplainable, unbearable things happen to good people. Tonight being saved, being filled with the Spirit, being faithful to church does not exempt any of us from the storms and the troubles and the trials of life. He found out that he didn't have enough morals, enough goodness to heal that little girl. So the first time in his life, he feels like he is really over his head and out of his heart. It means something else. He is the ruler of the synagogue. That means this. He's not a poor man. He's got some money. You say, how do you know he's got money? Well, he's got enough money to buy some land. He's got enough money to have a house. He's got enough money to have a wife. He's got enough money to have a wife. He's got enough money to have a wife. And he's got enough money to have a, a daughter on top of a wife. And if you're here tonight and you got a house and you got a wife and you got a daughter and a wife in that house, 
You better have some money, especially if you married high maintenance. I'll never forget when my little girl said, Daddy, I, I want a coach. And I said, what's that? She said, it's a pocketbook. I said, man, that ain't gonna be no problem. They sell pocketbooks all the time down at Walmart. She said, not a coach purse. I said, well, where do they sell them at? At the coach store. I ought to know right there any store that don't sell nothing but stupid pocketbooks is gonna cost me more than $14.95. But how much can it be? I mean, it's just a pocketbook. I took her to the store. I said, buy one, honey. Big daddy's, I'm the man. Just buy one. Boy, she did. When she brought that pocketbook to me and I took it up there to that counter and that woman buzzed it with that, whatever that thing is. And when that woman told me how much that pocketbook was gonna be, man, I done like that fella on TV. I grabbed my heart and said, Elizabeth, this is the big one. I'm coming home. I thought, do you realize how many shotguns you can buy for one of them stupid pocketbooks? You can make a down payment on a four-wheeler for one of them pocketbooks. Boy, she put that pocketbook up and hugged it and kissed it and tears ran down her eyes. I thought, whoa, baby, if them kind of pocketbooks have that kind of effect on women, go get your mama one of them things, amen? I'm telling you, it takes money to have a family. It takes money to have a wife. It takes money to have a daughter. But yet this daddy does not have enough money to buy that girl another well a moment. He can't buy her health. He can't buy her healing. So for the first time in this daddy's life, he realizes he is over his head. He is out of his heart and it's out of his hand and it's beyond his pocket. Notice the dilemma this man is in. He doesn't have enough power to heal that little girl. He doesn't have enough goodness to heal that little girl. He doesn't have enough money to heal that little girl. And that daddy can do one or two things. He can stand there and watch that little girl slip out into eternity and do nothing. Or he can exercise faith and put it in God's hands and go get God. Go get somebody that's got more power than daddy's got. Go get somebody that's got more morals than daddy's got. Go get somebody that's got more authority and more money than daddy's got. And I've come to tell this congregation tonight, when it's over my head and beyond my heart and out of my pocket and out of my hands, I'm glad there is one that's got more power than me, more authority than me, more money than me, more holiness than me, and his name is Jesus. And when we can't, he can. I see daddy as he looks at that little girl and I see daddy as he kisses her fevered brow and I see Jairus as he said, baby, daddy's not powerful enough. Daddy's not big enough. Daddy's not rich enough. Daddy's not holy enough. But wait a minute, honey. I've heard about another father and I've heard about another daddy and I'll think 
I'll go get him. I want to say this tonight, all of us, there are mountains we cannot climb. There are oceans we cannot swim. There are burdens we cannot carry. There are valleys we cannot cross. There are burdens we don't have enough ability to carry. There are warfares that we cannot win. But aren't you glad there is one tonight who's got all power and all authority and he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. I have limits. I have boundaries. I have borders. But I'm glad that God that lives in the cable into my soul has no boundaries and he has no limits and he has no borders. Let me say this tonight. Instead of throwing up our hands and quitting and just giving up, why don't we go get God? Somebody who can do what we cannot do and say what we cannot say and go where we cannot go. I'm glad tonight when we came, God can and God will. Man, I'm enjoying this. Praise God. The mandate that drove this man what would cause that man to leave that girl and go across town and bow the feet of Jesus because he loved that little daughter and he knew that he couldn't, but he felt like that Jesus could. Somebody said, preacher, it's been a while since I fasted and prayed. It's been a while since I really sought for God. It's been a while since I really got serious in my prayer life. You know what you just told me? You just told me it's been a while since the realities of life have brought you to the end of yourself. This dear man of God said something at the end of the service last night. I thought about all day. And man, if I get a great sermon on it and preach on it and get rich, I'll remember you in the royalties. But he made this statement last night. Sad to say, but most of the time, it takes a crisis in our life for us to really get serious with God. I feel like saying to Jairus, Jairus, when she was out in the yard playing, why didn't you go get Jesus for her then? Jairus, when her health was good, why didn't you go get Jesus for her then? Honey, when the sun is shining, why didn't you go get Jesus then? Because he didn't feel like he needed Jesus. But boy, as he stands there, Bobby, and that little girl that he loves that's crawled up in his heart, it's slipping away and slipping away. He says, hey, I can't do this. I've come to the end of myself. You know what problems do and storms do and crisis do? It brings us to the end of ourself and makes us look toward a God that's got power and authority and means. I'm telling you tonight, when we came, God came can and God will somebody go get him tonight the mandate that drove him number two I love this in the text notice the mission that directed this man he is a man on a mission I see Jairus as he kisses the brow of that little girl I see Jairus as he hugs his wife I see Jairus as he tells everybody in the house I'm going on a mission I'll be gone for a while, but I'm coming back with somebody that's going to fix our storm. I see Jairus as he walks down the cobblestone sidewalk. I see as somebody approaches Jairus and says, where are you going? And Jairus says, I'm going to get Jesus. And Agnes, somebody say, why are you going to go get Jesus? He said, because I've done all I know to do. I've set out all to say, I'm going for Jesus. What are you going for Jesus for? My little girl is sick. Well, won't you go for the doctor? He said, no, I'm going for the great physician. 
why, why don't you go for the lawyer? No, I'm going for the lawgiver. Why don't you go get the priest? No, I'm going for the great high priest. Why don't you go get the prophet? I'm going for the message of the prophet. Who are you going for, Jairus? I'm going for sovereignty. I'm going for deity. I'm going for omnipotence. I'm going for faithfulness. I'm going for holiness. I'm going for the holy one, the powerful one, the worthy one, the awesome one. I'm going for one that has no boundaries, no borders, and no limits. Aren't you glad we serve a God tonight that has no boundaries and no borders and no limits? Let's go get him tonight. You know what I love about Jerry? You know what I love about this dad? You know what I love about him? He was willing to put everything in his life on hold for the health of that little girl. He was willing to change his daily routine. He was willing to change his schedule. Listen to this. He was willing to lay down his robes of authority, his religion, his political affiliation, his job, his occupation, he's laying it all down. I can see somebody say, Jairus, how far you gotta go? And Jairus would say, not too far. How long you gonna be, Jairus? And I hear him say, not too long. Jairus, what all have you gotta do to bring Jesus back? And I hear him say, not too much, because I love that little girl, and she's my baby doll, and I can't help her, and whatever I got to do, ever how far I got to go, ever how long I got to stay, for her it's not too long, for her it's not too far, for her it's not too much. Oh, may God tonight bring all of us daddies to the place in our life where it's not too far, and it's not too much, and it's not too long, and it's not too high to see God invade our family and get a hold of our children and have faith for the next generation. Oh, he's on his way. Something else about Jairus I love. He knew who to go to. He knew where to find him. And this is what I really love. He knew how to talk to him when he got there. Because the Bible said in our text that when he saw him, he fell at his feet. He didn't get up in his face. He fell at his feet. You say, Brother Joe, what's the difference between getting in his face and falling at his feet? Whether he goes home with you or not. Whether he goes home with you or not. How I many tonight you have a child? You got two children. And would you agree with me if you got two children? They may have the same mama, they may have the same daddy, but they are different. Son, you can have one as smart as a tack. Well, you have another dumber than a box of rocks. Now quit looking at one another. Quit looking at one another. Son, you can have one and say, stop it. They stop it. And you can have one you can frail, threaten, and beat. And they'll still say, why? Boy, oh boy, I just used to love it when them two knotheads of mine would ask me why. Because it gave me the opportunity to say something. I used to love saying, cause I said so. <laughs> boy, there are some advantages to getting old. You can act silly and nobody says anything. Oh, he's just old. <laughs> and you can look at somebody and say, because I said so. 
Boy, you got John 11, you got Martha, you got Mary. They got the same mama, got the same daddy, got the same brother, live in the same house. But boy, are they different. They got this brother named Lazarus and he gets sick. And they send word for Jesus. Jesus doesn't get in a hurry. He comes four days. But I'm glad when he's four days late on our time clock, he's still on time. Jesus comes into town and here comes Martha. Oh, everybody needs a Martha. You say, what's a Martha? She gets it done. She may get on everybody else's nerves around her, but she gets it done. Does anybody know a Martha? Can I get a witness? I tell you what I love about Martha. While all the women in the church are praying for God to close down the beer joint, Martha gets a can of gas and burns it down herself. Amen. <laughs> oh, Martha comes out there to where Jesus is and she gets up in his face, Brother Andrew, and says, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, read my lips, honey. Your brother's going to live again. She said, well, I know it's going to live again the last day of the great resurrection. He said, you read my lips. I am the resurrection and the life. Your brother going to live today. And he looked and said, where is your sister Mary? Now, Mary's not like Martha. Mary is private. Mary is an introvert. But when Martha's mad, you know she's mad. She wants to make everybody else mad. But Martha, but Mary, when she's upset, she wants to get off and cry. She don't want to eat. She don't want to be messed with. She wants to sit in the corner and try to figure things out. But you know what I love about Jesus? He loves sides. He loves both sides of the bipolar. Can I get a witness right there? <laughs> Boy, he says to Martha, you go tell Mary, your sister, the master's come. And he called it for thee. Boy, let me just ask you this. You remember that day when the Spirit of God tapped you on your heart and said, the master's come. And he called it for thee. Soon as Martha said that to Mary, she ran out of that house. And those mourners and those weepers said, oh my, she's going to the grave to weep. But she doesn't turn to go to the grave. She turns and goes to the resurrection and the light. And when she gets out there, Pastor, she says the same thing her sister said. She says the same exact words her sister said. But she says it in a different attitude. She says it in a different position. She says it in a different disposition. She's, you see, Martha got in his face and said, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But Mary gets down at the feet of Jesus and starts weeping and starts crying. And she starts saying, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And she's weeping so much she can wash Jesus' feet with her tears. But oh, I've read the rest of the story. While she's weeping at the feet of Jesus, she feels something hit the side of her face and it runs down her cheeks and it puddles on her hands and she looks up and to her amazement, not only is she weeping, but Jesus is weeping. He's weeping with her and his tears go to mingling with her tears and her tears go to mingling with his tears. Lord have mercy. Just let me say, when your tears touch the master's tears, it's not going to belong to Lazarus. It's going to get up and walk around. Oh, resurrection ground. I say tonight, if you need a miracle from God, get out of his face and fall at his feet and quit accusing God and blaming God and go to honoring God and worshiping God. He fell at his feet. I'm going to try to maintain my composure on this point, but I want to run real bad on this one. Mm. 
Jairus looks at Jesus and says this. He said, if you will come. If you will come. Jesus, everybody has been to our house, but it's made no difference. But if you will come. Jesus, we're after you. We want you. If you will come. And then he makes this statement. And I have a hard time digesting this. This is good to me. He looks at Jesus and says this. If you will come and lay your hands on her. He doesn't say speak to her. He doesn't say look upon her. He says if you will come and lay your hands on her. There was something about the hands of Jesus that had birthed faith in Jairus' heart. Maybe he had watched him do some wonderful things with those hands. By the way, it was those hands that previously opened the eyes of the blind. It was those hands previously that had cleansed the leper. It was those hands that had made the lame to walk and the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. It was those hands that had touched the casket of a little boy and he got up and ate supper with his mama. Glory, glory. I do know this, he's a ruler of the synagogue. That means he has heard the Old Testament read in his hearing many, many times. And no doubt he had read about those hands that scooped out the oceans and heaped up the mountains and traced down the rivers. And with those hands, he thumped stars and hung a moon and hung a sun. And with those hands, made a dry path through the Red Sea. And those hands shielded Moses in the cliff of the rock. And those hands put a lock on the laws on the jaws of the, uh, of the lion and made the sun stand still. And he read in a little while those hands would be nailed to a cross. And those hands would be raised in victory and one day in the state of Texas and Georgia and North Carolina and Tennessee that same hand would reach further down than we could reach up and save a sinner and lead with that hand and guide with that hand and comfort with that hey you know what he said he said Jesus for 12 years she's been in my hands but today I take her out of my hand and I put her in your hand. Hallelujah. It's in the Savior's hands tonight. He said, Jesus, my hands are not big enough. My hands are not holy enough. My hands are not powerful enough. My hands are limited. But today, I take her out of my hands and I put her into your hand. And can I say to you tonight, that person in your life that you're praying for, that person in your life that keeps you up at night, that person in your life that you're begging God to do for them what you can't do for them, the greatest day in your life and the greatest day in their life is when you take it out of your hands and put it in the Savior's hand. Aren't you glad tonight? It's in the Savior's hand. His wonderful, powerful hand. Put it in the Lord's hand. You will come and lay thy hands on her. She will be healed. And the Bible said in our text tonight, and I love this phrase of the King James, she besought him 
greatly. She didn't order God. She didn't command God. She begged. I heard this guy on the radio one time say, the word ask in the Bible means to demand, to command. So when you pray, you just give God the orders. That is as close to blasphemy as you'll ever get in your life. If you really believe that, we're going to sell you some Gulf front property in Oklahoma. Why? Who ever heard of a peasant commanding a king? Who ever heard of a sheep commanding a shepherd? Who ever heard of a lump of clay commanding a potter? Who ever heard of a wife? Well, anyway, who ever heard? I'm just telling you, we don't command God. We don't order God. We don't demand God. We beg God. We beseech God. We touch God. And evidently it worked because the Bible said, and Jesus went with him. And Jesus went with him. And there's somebody in this room tonight. There's somebody in your heart that's not in this room tonight. There's somebody in your world and in your life that's not in this room tonight. But they keep you up all night and you walk the floor at night and you know that nobody can help them but God. You've done all you know to do. You've said all you know to say. You've talked yourself blue in the face. And the devil this very day has said, I got them, you'll never get them. I got them, God, I'll never get them. That's what you need to do tonight. Get up the Savior's feet. Get up the Savior's feet and put it in the Savior's hands and tell Jesus about it. And by faith, and by faith, hey man, I feel like preaching tonight. And by faith, touch him. And you know what? He'll go home with you tonight. The mandate that drove him, the mission that directed him. And number three, I love this, notice the miracle that delighted him. The Bible said, and Jesus went with him. I just want to say this, he'll go home with you too if you want him. Brother Bobby, I want you to help me on this point. And I'm going to be Jesus and you be Jairus. Will you do that? You be Jairus. And so Jairus reaches over there and begs Jesus and Jesus goes with him. And now Jairus and Jesus is going to Jairus' house on business to touch that little girl. Why, by the time they start, they got a crowd. The text I read tonight said they thronged Jesus. They was all around it. Now their progress has stopped. It's been halted. They can't get anywhere for all of the people. And I'm telling you, if I would have been Jairus, I'd have said, Y'all, but aren't you glad you come from a part of the world that knows what y'all means? And in case we have any Yankees that slipped up among us, you guys, praise the Lord, you guys, amen, you guys. Glory to God, you guys, amen. Man, I preached the other day in Alabama, and this old boy coming to me, he said, I'll tell you right now, I was a good man, I'm good preacher tonight. And I preached that same message in Michigan. This lady said, well, brother, that was a great blessing, Amen. Boy, if I'd have been Jairus, I'd have said, you guys move out of my way. You, I got a hold of Jesus for you did. But you know what I love about Jairus? He's read in that Bible. He has read in that Old Testament. Hold on. That they, that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You, you, you know what impresses me about Jairus? 
He was willing to watch God work a miracle in everybody else's life but his own because he knew his time would come and Jairus is just hanging out with Jesus because he knows help is on the way. Well, while they're waiting on Jesus, here comes that woman with that issue of blood. And the Bible said she presses through that crowd. And the Bible said she says, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. What is so special about a hem? Well, that's the finishing mark. That makes it complete. And to get a hem, one side has to be lifted up. And that lifted up side has to be wounded and pierced within and without. And to hold that lifted up, pierced side in place, an unseen cord runs through it. You say, what has that got to do with us? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad he was lifted up and he was wounded and he was pierced and he finished the work. And tonight, the only hope for you and I that are lost and undone is to touch the finished work of Christ on the cross. Boy, she reached through that crowd and touched Jesus. And I don't know if she was a Baptist or not because the Bible said "Mm," she felt it in her body. She felt it. But pastor, not only did she feel it, Jesus felt it too. And the Bible said Jesus, knowing that power, virtue, authority, dynamite had come out of him, he looked around to that crowd and said, who touched me? Time out, newsflash, this just in. When an all-knowing God asks questions, he's not hunting information. You say, well, if God knows everything, then why does he ask questions? He's creating an opportunity for you and I to get honest and to get real. Who touched me? And that woman, she raised her hand. Now, let me be Jesus and you be Jairus now. Jairus just hanging out. That woman said, let me tell you why I touched you. Now, listen, she said, here's why I touched you. She said, sir, I've been sick. I've had an infirmity for 12 years. Son, when that woman said 12, I believe Jairus said, Did she just say 12? Well, that's how old my little girl is. My little girl is 12 years old. Oh, my. If he can heal somebody that's been sick for 12, he can heal somebody that's been alive for 12. 12 is 12, no matter how much you cut it. He must like 12 because he had 12 tribes and 12 stones and 12 apostles and 12 gates. And I'm just telling you whether it's 12, 13, 14, or infinity. Numbers are no problem. She was 12. The woman been sick for 12. And Jesus touched that woman. And then Jesus says something to that woman. He only says two other times in the Bible. He looked at that woman, and watch this old Jairus just kind of hanging out, and Jesus said to that woman, daughter, daughter. Jesus called her daughter. And I believe when Jairus heard Jesus call that woman daughter, I believe he said, wow, he's got one too. He knows how I feel. 
He knows what he's going through. And I believe he, thank you, Brother Bobby, and I believe he said, if he loves his daughter, surely he loves mine. If he can help his daughter, surely he can help mine. If he healed his daughter, surely he can heal mine. I just want to say, he's in the daughter business. Let me say it like this. It is no secret what God can do for what he's done for one daughter, he'll do for another. By the time he gets to his house, his faith is hot, his faith is real. He knows numbers doesn't matter. The relationship is fine. I'm telling you tonight, there is a God that goes beyond the numbers and goes beyond the relationship. There's no boundaries, no borders. If you'll touch him, God can, and by faith, God will tonight. Well, they walk in that room. Jairus and Jesus walk in that room where that little girl is. And Jesus takes all the negative people and makes them leave. Takes that mother and that father and those two flaming disciples and Jairus and Jesus. And he walks over the where that little girl is and listen to this. Jairus gets more than he asked for because he just asked Jesus to come with his hands. But Jesus did more than that when he reached and lifted her up. He spoke to her and said, daughter, arise. And guess what she did? She arose. And the Bible said, and walked. I don't know what kind of daughter she was. I don't got but one daughter and she's blonde-headed and blue-eyed and never still and annoying and opinionated and strong-willed. Great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. And, 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 whose my daughter makes coffee nervous. She makes jello shake. She has a nervous breakdown looking for a place to break down. And I don't know how, how her temperament was, but if it had been my little girl, she'd have jumped and said, Yes, I can walk. Daddy, look, I can walk. Daddy, I can walk. And I would say, Not only that, you can talk pretty good too. Say amen right there. The Bible said she arose and walked. What a happy celebration it must have been a few hours before. She is at the point of death, breathing her last breath, but now she's up, walking around. I want to tell you, Daddy didn't do it, but he went and got somebody who could do it and did do it. I can't take a heart that's broken and make it over again, but I know a man who can. I can't put broken families back together, but I know a man who can. I can't emancipate that addict tonight and break the chains of bondage that holds him down. But I know a man who can. And the Bible said, I love this. I know they were Baptists here. The Bible said, and they gave her something to eat. <laughs> and I found this out all through the Bible. When God does something great, eat about it. Because what is our final reward? The marriage, not dinner, supper of the Lamb. And the Bible said they gave her something to eat. 
In closing, I told you last night, sometimes I have a wild imagination that I'd have loved to have been there that night at that little home, sitting around that table when that daddy goes to say the blessing over that food. Wouldn't you like to have heard that prayer? And before he goes to pray, the little daughter says, Dad, Dad, but before you say the blessing, I just want to say this. You've been a good daddy. You've been good to me and mama. Thank you for my clothes, my house, my food, and everything you've done. But daddy, I'm going to tell you now, the greatest thing you ever did for me, the greatest thing you ever did for me was that day you went and got Jesus and brought him over here to our house. Because daddy, it's different now since Jesus came. 2008, the Lord come got my daddy. You say, your daddy's in a better world. I know that, but I'm still to up about it. He was my buddy. He was my hero. He's my best friend. He was my pastor. He taught me how to hunt, taught me how to fish. He taught me how to shoot a gun. I asked him one time, I said, Daddy, how come you didn't teach me to play golf? He said, we're Christians. He said, son, let me tell you something. Fishermen may lie, but golfers cuss. <laughs> he said, if you can play golf and not cuss, you are a wonderful Christian. <laughs> Boy, I feel conviction. I don't know where it's coming from, but I feel it. <laughs> but I will to tell you one thing. My daddy is in good shape tonight. He's not on that walker. This side of his face is not drawn. He's not drooling with his food coming out of his mouth, my little mama trying to change his diaper and put food in his mouth. Tonight, he's don't have a stroke. He don't have a brain tumor. Tonight, he's not bent over and broken and lost his memory and don't even know who his son is. No, he's okay tonight. Dressed in the royal robes of glory, having a time going down Hallelujah Boulevard. One day, the old ship's going to pull in and the rest of us is going to get there. And I'm going to walk out on the other side of Sunday Banks of Sweet Deliverance and I believe he'll be waiting at the river. You say, you're dreaming. Well, don't wake me up. And I believe I'll say something like this when I see him. I love you, Daddy. I sure did miss you. Good to see you again, Daddy. Thank you for being a good pastor and a good preacher and a good Daddy. But Daddy, I got to tell you, before we go inside the gate and have our first spell together, the greatest thing you did for me, Daddy, Daddy, the greatest thing you ever did for me. See that man on that throne up there named Jesus? The day you went and brought him to our house. That's the greatest thing you ever did for me. Let me ask you this tonight in closing. I'm almost emotionally overwhelmed. But let me ask you this tonight in closing. Is there somebody in your world? Is there somebody in your life? Is there somebody in your family that you love enough to go get God for? Is there somebody in your family, somebody in your life, somebody in your world that you love enough to go get God for? You've done all you know to do. You've said all you know to say. Let's go get God. Let's go get God. Because he'll go home with us tonight. And he'll make the difference. Because he can do what we cannot do. He can say what we cannot say. 
He can go where we cannot go. Somebody, go get God. Somebody, go get God.